If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Spicy. <laughs> ASMR. It's the sound of fall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apples and fundraiser popcorn. <laughs> the sound of fall. The sound of fall. Sound <laughs> of fall. <laughs> popcorn. Mm. Hi, Marleya. Hi, Patrice. Hi, hey. Courtney. Hello, Courtney. Hello, hello. Welcome back. We are on 93. I know that we said we were trying to hit 100 by Halloween, and I, my brain can't process that. So it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's going to be what it's going to be. But it's going to be fun. But it's going to be fun. I want to give a shout out to Kat, who is Kat! our Hello, patron Kat. of the Sassy Sasquatch group. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've been chatting with her. Uh, she's really nice. And to give her a shout out, what? being a fabulous supporter of. The Strange South. Thank you. And that's all I have. Wow. I know. We got nothing wow. to say today. <laughs> we We're still nothing. in semi-quarantine lifestyle where... Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, I had written something. Not many. I know. It's not New like... experiences or... Right. I feel like um, I'm trying to plan for my kids' birthdays because this is the beginning of birthday season. Our right. family gets slammed with birthdays every year starting in September. And uh, so now it's just like, you know, I kind of usually September hits and the birthdays start to roll and then I see the Halloween stuff get set out. And now that's what makes my gut sink a little bit, because now I'm walking back inside Walmart a little bit more often Mm -hmm. because their pickup got all weird on me. And I was just like, this fucking ain't working. So I started like going shopping and, you know, there weren't that many people there. So I was I feel good about it. But like now I have the impulse buy thing back because I'm walking in and seeing all the shit everywhere. <laughs> so I have like to, year, yeah, right? for real. So I have to fight it. And now I'm looking like, oh my God, it's Halloween. And I was like, this is why it's so stressful for me. I was like, because it's always this feeling of like pushing forward, pushing forward through the end of the year. And it's like, no, it's Christmas. <laughs> right. Fuck everybody. It was right. out today. They already have the, their the trees up because I went to the garden center to see what may be on clearance from, mm-hmm. you know, what's left over from garden and trees are like, everything's almost cleared out and Christmas trees are already in. See, I just can't. I can't. And it is September it the 26th. So I'm like, it's already stressful to have two kids with like fall birthdays, one right after the other, like three weeks apart, and then follow that up with Christmas. And it's just like the gift giving season is a little overwhelming for me usually. And now I'm just like trying to figure out something. Give them cool cash. And special That's to all do. they want now anyway. Mm-hmm. You think my kids mm-hmm. just want cash? Mm-hmm. 100 gift cards. With 100%. Gift cards or cash. Yeah. Give them an, uh, whatever their preferred <laughs> gift cards are. Yes. But so much of it has to do with like, oh, am I going to feel bad if I don't have blah, a blah. thing that I'm supposed <laughs> that it's special because it's, you know, They're whatever. Not gonna remember. I know. It doesn't matter. I know these things. <laughs> They're not going to I remember. Zero things that I received as present you as know, a child. Do you know what I remember? Hmm. I remember like a random ass little electronic keyboard that was like a dollar store mm-hmm. type that you just pushed and it had the kind of weak little. 
like that noise that it mm-hmm. made. And you could play a little music on it. It was a stocking stuffer. Only thing, mm-hmm. only thing I can think of off the top of my head that I got for Christmas anytime. And it was probably like 50 cents. Right. Like not even thought like an after. Oh, like, oh not, just, I mean, like, it was just like that. tossed in the bag mm-hmm. at the last minute. Not me. You know? I remember one. And it was what very, very important. And it probably oh. cost a lot of money. And it was Did you important get a car? to my childhood. No, oh. I was like in kindergarten. <laughs> Did you get a pony? I got a My Little Pony castle. Oh, <laughs> that was almost right. The whole castle. Oh. And it was like a dollhouse that was a castle. And all the ponies I got to I loved dress that. Up. I had a neighbor in Montgomery who had that. And I hated her. But I went to her house to play with it because she was the only person that had it. Oh. She was so mean. That's no. the only thing I can remember, though. That is one of the gifts. That That's was... it. One time. One thing, mm-hmm. but that was kindergarten. I know. Yeah, and, I can't tell you and there's there's a 13. point. There's a point where your children will wake up at the butt crack of dawn. Yeah, and go in there <laughs> with like eyes, and Max would literally go. <gasps> Like when he would look at the Christmas tree, it was like the most joyful thing ever. Yeah. Just the expression of joy. But now he's surly. Yeah. <laughs> like, why am I awake? We had to literally wake him up at 11. <laughs> yeah. On Christmas Day. <laughs> so that we could open our presents. <laughs> you know, forget him. We exactly. were like always like thinking about lunch and stuff. I was like, mm. dude, I got pres- Christmas presents under the tree. You need to like wake up. You know, I started rolling with Christmas brunch a while, a little while back, and I really dig the late, late morning mm-hmm. put shit together kind of. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so much more festive because yeah, they don't wake up like that now. No, my no. my kids don't do no, that. Just give them cash; mm. they'll be fine. Yep, and then they'll no. actually get stuff that won't sit there unopened. It's hard with COVID, but I remember experiences. I remember like going to places for my 13th birthday party, getting to get everybody, my friends together. And we all got in the car and we all went to eat and we got to go to the movie, that kind of stuff. That's what I don't remember. I was like, I'm trying to do that this year, but it's just like, well, we're not taking any of your friends. You know, because <laughs> we can't be in a car together. So so sorry. I was like, and it doesn't really feel like that much of a gift anymore. But um, yeah, they had, they did this random thing. I don't even know why I pulled this out as like the thing I really wanted to say. But my kids have been saying just random off the wall shit lately. And I feel like this may be the moment where I have my first like haunted experience because now they're convinced that my house is haunted. And I think it might be because of them. <laughs> yeah, they claimed it today. The house is haunted, and I was like, mm. "No, that wasn't the first time." They oh, they okay. pulled it out on me a couple days ago when they were talking about how, like, in the middle of the night, all of a sudden the doors will bang, and I was like, "Cats? Anyone? Like cats? We have cats, and they go in and out AC. of your rooms all night long." And they were like, "No, I I know where the cat was," and I was like, "Okay." Then the you know the HVAC unit turns on and sucks air through. And then I'm thinking, like, actually, in my house, it totally doesn't suck air from upstairs. It's like the weakest ass AC unit. So I was like, I don't know. But anyway, so I'm going to be like reporting back because now they're also convinced that the cats know that it's haunted and always have known. And um, the cats are looking at tiny bugs in the corner. I know. Well, I am not convinced that, I, I'm that not if d- anybody sees ghosts, Sorry. it's the cat. I am convinced of that. But my kids are also really creepy. Like the younger one has been talking about her closet demon. For like a month now, she's like adopted a closet demon and it steals things from Walmart and brings her macaroni and cheese. Like, mm. <laughs> this is... Well, Marley's <laughs> kids, first of all, for everybody that's listening, are highly intelligent, just like their mother. <laughs> They're going to so. kill us all. <laughs> we, uh, what did they... So they went over to play with their cousin, Mary, while we were out of town one weekend. And 
I was like, what did you guys do? And this is the thing I had written down, that this is the whole oh, reason crap. I brought this up. I remember. We tried to get Joshua from the Bible to possess Mary's doll. <laughs> and I was like, why Joshua? And they said he was the first dead guy we turned to. Oh, my <laughs> I was God. Like, oh, my God. You're going to ruin the whole, like, all of the children in the family are going to be crazy like us. And the rest of the family is not going to even have to think twice about where it came from. Yeah, they're going to blame you, Marlea, <laughs> to blame this podcast. That's what they're going to blame. But you know what? To be fair, that kid, their cousin, I, actually all of their cousins are super cool, but mm-hmm. their their little cousin has her own just spectacularly awesome creepy streak. <laughs> yeah. So she can bring it. She can bring it. So. But, and, you know, and also to be fair, that is the age when we were totally doing Ouija boards. Ouija boards, oh, yeah. yes. Light as a feather. Oh stuff. yeah. So, you know, a little bit of a cult going on and like Oh, that's the other thing. Now they have cults. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. There there are three cults at school and they're in charge of two of them, I think. What? Well, at least they're in charge. Oh, I love the in charge thing. Yes. Coco's gonna have a uh, bank account open at some point. You're gonna be like, Where'd you get all this money? <laughs> My followers. <laughs> Why are there people outside like <laughs> Camping in the yard. Where did the druids come from? My membership, my family, whatever you call it. How come these people are doing my laundry? They would. T- she would totally like make a completely rational argument for it, though, and you would end up like rolling over. You'd just be like, "Well, I guess, I guess, I can't say no." Right. I mean, they are doing yard work, so <laughs> oh. dinner. God. All right. Well, that's all I got. Oh, drinks. We got drinks. Courtney made an awesome drink. <laughs> Especially it's after apparently her week. a double, and I'm halfway yeah, through. Yeah, I'm already done. Oh, Are shit. You? Oh, crap. Well, no, I'm about halfway. <laughs> well, we have more. Yeah, because last week I really I didn't even call it in. I just called, I texted and said BYOB. <laughs> Which we can totally do. Did not we do can totally today. Jam that. It's an apple cider Moscow mule. Yes. In the fancy cups. In the, yes. Well, you were talking about going to Walmart and feeling overwhelmed. I went to Walmart and felt happy. (laughs) (laughs) It was just unusual. I didn't feel rushed. And I got to look at things and I saw the Halloween in the fall. And then I thought, what am I going to make? And then I decided to make this. And I was like, we need Moscow Mule cups. We have the (laughs) copper handled. They're so pretty. And they're really pretty. So we're official with that. I have not had these. They're lovely. But yeah. We have vodka, um, fresh squeezed lime juice, apple cider, uh, and ginger beer, but or, or ginger, ginger ale. ale. <laughs> yeah, Patrice loves the ginger beer. I do not that much, and I think that's it. That's all. Oh, and apples, honey crisp apples, honey crisp apples. <clears throat> and the, the vodka is uh, Redmont vodka. I just bought at the ABC store because it has a picture of Vulcan on it. So if you're not from Alabama, you probably don't know who I'm talking about. But Vulcan. Is it a picture of Vulcan or a picture of Vulcan's ass? It's a picture of Vulcan's butt. No, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Vulcan's the god of fire, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. He's in Birmingham, which was a still city for many years, and he's at the top of Red Mountain. So this is Red Mont vodka. And I learned from the ABC cashier that it was it's Charles Barkley's vodka. So he's from Alabama, just not Cheers, far up the Charles. road. Yeah, Cheers, so if you're Charles. listening, we like it. Thanks, Charles. <laughs> yeah, really I mean, Charles. He hangs out in Leeds. Call he, us. <laughs> he hangs out in Leeds all the time. That's where he's from, and he's there a lot. I am I am a fan. I'm a fan of Charles. Mm-hmm. Third Charles Barkley. Mm. So Redmont Vodka. Good. Mm. Mm, oh, tasty. One more thing I want to bring up. On Saturdays, I was just telling Marley, I was like, all my catch-up days with Ted Lasso, 
what mm. we do in the shadows, and, and a couple of others. Some of our friends turned us on to, and you cannot get this. You have to have Cinemax to get this without paying for it. Or you can like watch all the commercials on YouTube. But it's Tales from the Tour Bus by mm. Mike Judge. Oh, I'm and what it is, Mike Judge. Mike Judge is an animated so series funny. of like all of these artists, country, western artists. And I don't know who else he does because we just started it, but it's all been country western. And it's the people who were on the tour bus back in the day when these people were popular, dishing the dirt, <laughs> and everything is animated, and it's just. It's just really funny and interesting. Uh, we watched the Wailing Gin one last night. Oh. He was a really handsome guy. I didn't realize like how handsome that dude is. Especially in animated form? And, well, <laughs> especially in animated form. <laughs> but, um, you know, drugs took a heavy toll, you know, and he was, but he was Johnny Cash. And they were talking about like all the pills and mm. Willie Nelson. So it was like him and Willie Nelson were like really tight. Mm-hmm. But it talks a lot about the music industry and what they are going through and, and all the drugs and, and, you know, little stories, like it says, you know, from the road and everything. And very interesting. And I didn't know that Welling Jennings, Jen, I can't say <laughs> Waylon Jennings. Welling Jennings. Or the Waylon Jennings. Which one? <laughs> Waylon <laughs> Jennings? Well, or is, is there a Welling Jennings? There is a band called okay. the Welling Jennings. And I was like, if not, there needs to be one. He gave up his seat for one of the people he used to play with uh, Buddy Holly. Mm-hmm. And he gave up a oh, seat yes. from the plane mm, that crashed. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I didn't know that that was the thing. Anyway, lots of new things to me. Very entertaining. Mike Judge, funny as fuck. So. Uh, my friend Patrick, who's on the fans page, he turned me on to a podcast called Sawbones. And I love it. It's got like a bajillion episodes but it's a husband and wife team and she is i I guess he's in showbiz i honestly can't remember what he does he's in showbiz i've listened to like the first four or five episodes but they take medical curiosities from way back when like it would be where they talked about shooting air up your butt with the tobacco tobacco yes (laughs) yes um but you know they've talked about um the plague they've talked about leeches and bleeding they've talked about they've talked about like hysteria and you know uterine movement and all that weird stuff that people used to think was a thing they're really really funny and it's really entertaining it's only like a 30 minute podcast generally at a time Mm -hmm. and so they just take one topic and she goes through it and explains it in a very very smart and clear and doctory and yet like completely understandable way cool and it's fucking hilarious so that's that's like that's awesome yeah so that's a good that was a good recommendation thanks to patrick but yeah hit them up because they were they're they're fun to listen to awesome okay we'll try to say it one more time waylon jennings yes Yes. did it okay i'm done (laughs) good night y'all no well i'll go ahead and start what i'm going to talk about tonight hits two previous podcasts Mm. so of course the first one it's going to be like a big duh (laughs) is the body farm yes and then second one is the truckers. The truck just drive. the last two. Just Those the are last the last two, two that we've done. Okay. They just like it. Just kind of weaves. Everything in, comes so together. Full I'm circle. going to just go with it. 
Uh, I got my information from Wikipedia, the Doe Network, which is like Jane Doe. It has like all oh. the missing persons network stuff. Listen to the Killer Queens podcast, mm. which they're from Tennessee, mm-hmm. I believe. And they did a kind of a medium dive. They definitely went into it a lot deeper than I'm going to go into it. And then Out of the Shadows podcast by uh, Shane Waters, which was is re-ba- uh, rebranded now to, I don't remember. <laughs> Anyway, if you just look up Shane Waters, you'll find, like, he has a couple of different podcasts. This is what I was listening to when you came in, because I haven't finished it yet. And he does a super deep dive into, um, like, an investigative deep dive. Mm. This is a very brief cliff notes of the redhead murders. Oh, I wondered, because you brought it up, and I was like, oh, she's going to hit that pretty soon. I'm hitting it right now. They're going to hit it! Uh, if you did not hear our last podcast, when I talked about the body form, the Redhead Murders is a series of unsolved homicides of redheaded females in the United States between October of 1978 and 1992. We're looking at really the states of Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, Mississippi, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania is kind of the outlier there. I was going to say, I did not expect that to be the next one you said right. at all. Right. You know, the reason it's still unsolved because these the women that were murdered were easily unnoticed because they were sex workers or hitchhikers or people kind of like on the outer fringe, transient in, individuals that did not have strong family ties. And so they didn't have that family looking for them and pressing on these cold case files and mm-hmm. stuff, as we know. There's as few as six, because this is unsolved, it's, it's a really gray area. And the more that I listen to Shane, the Shane Waters podcast on this, uh, the more I'm just like, fuck, I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird, because at first I think, okay, I know, but now I don't know. But, you know, as few as six and maybe as many as 11 mm-hmm. and possibly even more. The one thing, like, several of them have sort of the same M.O., but there are, there are some variations of death that makes you think maybe it's more than one person, mm. which gets really weird. And when listening to, I think it was the um, Killer Queens podcast, they talked about how it, there's an article or there's a study or something saying that a lot of serial killers actually do go for redheads. Mm. For whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know huh. how truthful Boo. that is. Man. I know. Just, it's kind of just of a weird thing, right? <laughs> that would make me feel insane. I know. <laughs> I love redheads, though. I mean, anyway, so the first victim that was found in February 13th. And actually, I can't really say the first, but we're going to start here as the first person I want to talk about. Is it unknown? Like, they have not been identified yet. Oh, still? Oh. They were found February 14th, 1983, and an older pair, and, and they call these these women senior citizens or old women. And I'm like, you know what? I'm reaching that age. Mm-hmm. I was like, don't you dare call me a senior citizen, <laughs> even if I'm a senior citizen. Like, why would you describe these? These are like these old, wise ladies were like having a great day until they were driving down the road and they see something that looks like a mannequin. Oh, and shit. so they were like, let's just pull over and make sure that that's a mannequin. Because along this area, it, it was a like illegal dump ground, mm. basically. And so they pull over and indeed, and this is in or near Littleton in Wetzel County, West Virginia. 
they pull over alongside Route 250, and they discover that the mannequin is actually not a mannequin, but the nude body of a white female. It had just snowed in that area, and the body was placed on the ground. There was snow all around, but there was no snow on the body. So it had just been placed there. And when they called the authorities, there was actually footprints that weren't theirs that went up to the body and left. So it was like a freshly dumped body, but they don't believe that the body was killed there on the site. Mm. They did their examination, said that she died two days previous to when she was found, and they didn't believe that she was sexually assaulted. And the cause of her death was undetermined, and her hair was auburn. In 1985, there was a link, like, within, like, several, and I'm going to talk about all the victims, there was, like, several redheaded women found in 1985. It seems to be, like, a really hot year for this. Her age was estimated to be between 35 and 45, and um, in this group of women, she was a little bit older in range than the average woman that they found with red hair. She was about five foot six and just slender and had brown eyes and uh, had like two scars. She had a cesarean section, so she probably had children, and she had a scar on her index finger. Her arms, or not her arms, but like her armpits were shaved, her legs were shaved. So a lot of like the transient hitchhikers that they came across would not be this well-groomed. So she seemed pretty well-groomed and middle-aged for, you know, the MO that had been going around. So she was found February of 1983. So she was found kind of early on before, like, the rash of women that was found in 85. A witness actually described seeing a middle-aged white male, about 5 foot 10, about, you know, 200 pounds near the area where the body was found and that he may have driven like a 1980 Chevrolet two-tone brown pickup truck with a light colored camper top. Well, the way that they describe it, and this is kind of weird, the way they describe it in the article, they were like, this guy went under, and I don't know if they called it hypnosis, but that he went under a state to recall. I'm like, okay, mm. that's 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 suspect. That's suspect. So I don't yeah, know. How that much... was pretty popular in the early yeah. 80s. I don't know how much I believe that. And then debunked. And then debunked. Yep. But, you know, they had suspects. They didn't have an ID on. They never could ID this person. And so she she never was given a name. And they think, you know, they have pictures. I mean, she wasn't so far gone that they couldn't give a good likeness to her and they thought maybe somebody had seen her like in the Willington West Virginia area and people were kind of skeptical because she was out of like the age range of being one of the redheaded murders so you know we've got multiple agencies not working together it's just kind of a really big redheaded hot mess there <laughs> damn <laughs> stuff okay anyway I'm getting ahead of myself. It's it's because I'm a redheaded hot mess. It's a redheaded hot mess. Um, (laughs) Write that down as the title. (laughs) There you go. Um, One of the local investigators believed that the woman could have ties to the Hare Krishna community. I mean, so it's just like all this crazy shit, right? We're going to name her Wetzel County 
victim who has yet to be identified. The next person that we're going to talk about was found in September 16, 1984. So a year later, the body of a woman was found along Interstate 40 near West Memphis, Arkansas. So in Arkansas. And I just want to go ahead and let you know my feelings about I-40. I-40 is the devil's highway. I have not been, I have not driven on I-40 where I haven't seen or been a part of like a really horrific accident. Like Mm -hmm. I have seen some weird shit happen on I-40 as far as like cars getting in accidents and going across the medians and getting hit by 18-wheelers. There's a lot of 18-wheeler traffic in that area. So the body of the woman found on I-40 was only wearing a sweater and she had strawberry blonde hair, which is like a light red mm. color hair. And authorities were not able to identify her in order to contact family or anything. And nobody laid claim to her. So it kind of indicated to them that she was estranged from family. And it wasn't until like nine months after they found her, like in June, that uh, she was identified through fingerprints. Luckily, they did identify her through fingerprints because she had been arrested multiple times for prostitution or sex work Mm -hmm. and drugs. This is Lisa Nichols, also known as Lisa Jarvis. And they determined that she had been killed through strangulation. The Wetzel County victim, they did not find cause of death. And they said that usually when you don't find a cause of death, it's from suffocation. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. covering the Covering face. the mouth, mm-hmm. yeah. Because there was no bruising or ligature marks or anything uh, found like that. I don't know. I mean, with that being kind of a fresh body, I'm really curious about the autopsy, like how well they did. Because usually when you find unidentified women, they automatically kind of assume that they're sex workers, that they're transient, that they are not part of, quote unquote, normal society. So she was found. Lisa was found. Nine months later, she was fingerprinted and identified. And a couple from Florida positively identified her. She was from West Virginia. So there's kind of a connection to that West Virginia there. They think she had been murdered because right down the road from where her body was dropped off was a truck stop. So it's like right when you go on I-40 across the Mississippi River headed into Arkansas, there's like this huge truck stop. And a lot of times, you know, truckers will pull over there and, and they'll have showers and stuff. And and I think I remember seeing some sort of documentary on maybe sex work and truckers and stuff. They had, you know, pull your rig up, and there are women who will clean your truck out. So it's totally like a legit business. There are women who will come, and I hate, this sounds bad, but service your truck. (laughs) And some of the women will also do, like, service the men in the trucks, too. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand um, at the truck stop. Shane Waters' podcast that I was listening to, when they identified her body, They talked to the manager at that truck stop and he remembers seeing her and seeing somebody give her money because he's like, I know what's going on. I know that there's, you know, sex workers here. And he's like, I don't give them too much problems unless they're messing with the truckers who are not interested in the services. You know, you don't want them to pester people who are not in that kind of lifestyle. 
he was talking about seeing her leave the truck stop. And then it was on the next exit going towards Memphis, Tennessee, where they found her body. And I think it was may have been rolled up in a rug. No, it wasn't rolled up in a rug, but it was just dumped out on the side. And you've seen, like, if you live in the South, you have driven on the highways and you've seen 18-wheelers. When they need a break, they'll pull off and exit. Um, and it's usually like on the other, it's either going up the exit or going down the exit. They'll pull over to the side and they'll get some sleep or they'll do whatever. It was basically on the next exit going down and you couldn't see from the highway what the truck would do because of the way. So it was the perfect drop-off place and that's where she was found. The next unidentified person Let's see. Lisa was found in September of 84. And just a few months later, in January of 1985, a bound body was found near Jellicoe, Tennessee, in Campbell County. And it was down an embankment on the southbound side of Interstate 75. And this is the one that was wrapped in the blanket. And the remains were in advanced state of decomposition she had been there for about three days oh. um, that she, you know, she was killed three days earlier and that she was killed by strangulation. And this, but she was tied up. She yeah. was wrapped in a, yeah, she was, she was bound. bound. She was, may have been tied up and then wrapped in the carpet. And where was this? In Jellicoe, Tennessee, but off of a main interstate, mm-hmm. interstate 75. She had been strangled and, she was a white woman with red curly hair, green eyes, freckles. She had scars, a burn mark on her arm, short and petite. And she was wearing a tan pullover and jeans. And she was about 10 to 12 weeks pregnant. Mm. She had very distinguished, like, again, they couldn't identify her immediately. 85 DNA at that time was extremely expensive, and they only did it for like yeah, you'd have top, to be like a politician, like a or politician, yeah. right? She did have like a partial upper denture holding like two false teeth, so they hoped that maybe that they could like identify her through her dental work, but they never could. So she was never identified. So she stayed unidentified for a really long time, and it wasn't until September six, twenty. 18, lots of years later, Mm -hmm. decades later, that they finally announced with the help of Bill Bass and the body Mm -hmm. form um, through bones and DNA, identified her as Tina Marie Farmer of Indiana. And she was 21, 22 years old. She was last seen in Indianapolis, Indiana, accompanied by a trucker set to be headed to Kentucky. Mm. She was young, but she had already had a daughter before she disappeared in 1984. And she actually was reported missing by her family, but they reported her missing from Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that time, in the early 80s, there was a national missing unidentified person system that was just put into place by the justice system, by the Justice Department. They put into place this new technology so that agencies can start talking to each other about the missing 
people, but at that time, like only four states. Mm. Yeah, didn't it happen after what's his name? Adam Walsh's son went missing, didn't he? Wasn't he like oh, a spearhead for the national? That makes sense. I, I don't know for sure. For the national, they call person. it missing person. Yes, yeah. they call it Namus. Yeah, I'm weird. pretty sure it's. Uh, that sounds right. She wasn't reported missing. Or she was reported missing, but only in Indiana, and they didn't put her into the national database NamUs for whatever reason. There has to be a law that says agencies are required to put missing people into this database. I went to the NamUs website, and they say that 600,000 individuals go missing in the United States every year. Wow. Is that not incredible? A Holy lot of shit, that's a, a lot, lot of them are found, but they are more than not. There are a lot that aren't. Of course, there's a backlog, and to date, there are only ten <laughs> states that have mandated reporting on Namus. Why? In the South, only Tennessee, Arkansas, North Carolina, and West Virginia report to Namus. Of course, because we don't trust the feds. <laughs> I don't know. So if this ever comes up in some sort of legislative bill, please, like, we need to talk get, to your congressman. Talk to your congressman. We need to have agencies cross state lines talking to one another about missing people because we are nomadic people. We don't stay in one place anymore. We have trains, cars, and automobiles. Interstates. And know? for God's sake, at this point, we should all be taking for granted that they've been doing this for 15 years already. Right. You know, you like, would think. You this would is think. not With new technology. technology. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We all have smartphones. You can all Databases. Yes. Talk to another. Yes. So she was found. And then in 2019, her killer was ID'd. Oh. Welcome to technology and DNA. So her killer was ID'd in 2019. We're going to get there. Okay. We're going to get there. Because, mm. again, big yeah. redheaded mess. <laughs> redheaded hot mess. Right. So on the blanket that she was wrapped in, semen was found, and they had kept it three decades, basically. That's also weird. And they did the testing. Through testing, they found that the DNA belonged to Jerry Johnson. Jerry Johns in 2019, which was like two years ago, right? They found that it was his DNA, but he was already in prison, convicted of kidnapping. But they, they definitely proved that he killed Tina Farmer in December of 1984. The thing about it was Jerry Johns died in prison in 2015. Mm. So by the time that they connected his DNA to her, he had already died in prison. He's getting his eternal come up. Yeah, based on his conviction from 1987. And his conviction was aggravated kidnapping and assault, which was very similar to the crimes of former. Mm -hmm. The woman that Jerry, JJ, you know, Jerry Johns, attacked, he picked her up in Knox County, Tennessee. And this was two months after the farmer's disappearance and death. And it was actually, it was Linda's testimonial that put Johns in jail. The attack. So in 1985, like all of this seemed to happen in 1985, Linda was a dancer at this place called Catch One off of Interstate 40, the Devil's Highway. And I looked up Catch One on the internet and it is a strip club or was a strip club because their Yelp now said that they were closed. 
And uh, she was making good money. So in the 80s, she was bringing home, um, at best, $1,000 a week of, like, Mm -hmm. 80s money. Mm. And in 85, Jerry Johns was 36, and he ran his own small trucking operation. And it was called Rebel Trucking Company, which, if that doesn't, Mm -hmm. like, have shades of Old South racism Mm -hmm. on it. So he and his brother, Wayne Johns. (laughs) Right. Went to the catch, which is a horrible name. It's like the catch. What did you catch at the catch? Ah. Right? It's horrible. Ah. Uh, on March 5th, they went there because Jerry had his own membership card and he went there frequently and met Linda and agreed to go. And she agreed to go with him to his motel, trade sex for money for 200 bucks. So John gave her 200 bucks, but before he handed it to her, he tore them in half and gave her half of the $200 and said that she would get the other two halves later at the motel. Wait, Mm -mm. I'm just like, why the fuck he tear them in half? Couldn't he not just have given her one $100 bill? bill? I was like, basically, I gave you zero money. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. What a dick. Exactly. Exactly. But I think that says a lot. Uh, I think this is painting a pretty good picture. (laughs) And there's still a broader picture to be painted here. (laughs) So he gave her the two torn up halves. (laughs) And she set up a service for his brother Wayne as well. And they all drove separately to the Holiday Inn on Dell Avenue, which is no longer there. Linda hid the two halves of her $100 in her Datsun 280Z. Do you remember the Datsun 280Z? Oh, yes, I do. This is a cute little yeah. car. Like in the 80s. That was like a you, little. You'd have been mm-hmm. like the shit driving around in that little thing. It was like a little, it almost looked like a little Bond car. Like James yeah. Bond car. Cute car. So she drove there. Um, her other co worker <laughs> drove there and they met the brothers, the Johns. <laughs> oh, they're Johns and Johns. They're Johns, Johns and Johns. And Johns. And they got adjoining rooms for whatever reason. And Jerry brought a gun because I guess that's what you do. Rebel trucking company. Rebel trucking. It's in the contract. <laughs> and he um he told her that he was a Texas Ranger. <laughs> I bet. And, <laughs> and his, his truck did have like Texas license plates. But again, another red flag, tearing the $100 bills mm-hmm. up, then bringing the gun. And then saying that you're a Texas Ranger and like, I bet you are. But you're mm-hmm. driving a truck. Everybody knows they ride horses. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, has the ten Chuck Norris <laughs> wouldn't be caught dead. Eighteen <laughs> wheeler. Boot and the boots and stuff. Actually, I guess Chuck Norris was caught dead in eight. No, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and so after the transaction, uh Linda walked to her car and she still hadn't been paid and Jerry followed, so he thought like she thought like maybe he'll fucker will give me the other two halves of the bill that he so dramatically tore in half (laughs) but he forced her into her own car never gave her the money and drove back to the catch and just parked and while they were in the parking lot there he ripped her t-shirt off of her tore it into strips and then tied her hands and feet with her and gagged her and threatened to kill her if she tried to leave or scream then he took her car, drove it on I-40, the Devil's Highway, and to a wooded location and forced her to walk with him into the trees with a gun that he brought. Texas Ranger gun. It's Texas Ranger gun. 
He didn't shoot her, but he took her T-shirt and strangled her with it until she lost consciousness. And then he thought she was dead. So he strangled her and just like left. She woke up in this culvert, crawled out, flagged down another trucker and some people on the interstate, told people what had happened. And, you know, somebody had tried to kill her. They called the troopers. She wrote, she wrote, wrote, Rotel. She <laughs> Rotel retold <laughs> the events <laughs> and the evening, told him the room numbers, told her that he took her car. And so the trooper ran by the catch or mm-hmm. actually ran by the Holiday Inn, spotted the truck, saw the Datsun there and started to approach the lot. And as soon as he did, the Datsun sped off. And so they were like in this chase down the Devil's Highway. Jerry lost control of the car and he went across the median, slid across to the other exit lane and came to arrest. So that kind of action right there is shit I always see every time. Every fucking time that I'm on I-40, I see shit like that all the time. So they catch him. They find Jerry's gun in her car. They find on him the Holiday Inn key with the room number that she told him about. They found $800 or so. They found the catch membership card. And then they saw him wad up and throw away several $100 bills that were in halves. Oh. And that, along with her testimony, was more than enough to convict him. So that's our guy. You would think. Okay. This all happens March 5th, 1985. April 3rd, like a month later in 1985, a passerby stumbles across a skeletonized partial remains of a young girl. This was in Campbell County, Tennessee, or this was the victim in, in Campbell County, Tennessee. She was discovered about 200 yards off of Big Wheel Gap Road, which is about four miles southwest of Jellicoe, Tennessee in Campbell County, also near a strip mine. She was believed to be killed between one to four years previously, and her age was estimated to be between nine and 15. Oh. Her cause of death is is undetermined, um, but does not rule out homicide because there was a piece of cloth tied around her neck that was Mm. very similar to what he had done to Linda. But the only thing that, you know, they found... Her skull was intact, but there was only like 32 bones. Because, I mean, she's been there for years. It's mm-hmm. been scavenged. They were able to do facial recognition construction like you would the body farm training. Mm-hmm. And with her, she also had like a necklace and a bracelet made of plastic buttons and a pair of size five boots and just a few scraps of clothes. We don't really know if those belonged to her. There was just a lot of trash Mm. dumped there. Her hair color and eye color are unknown, so I'm not really sure why they lumped her with the redhead killers. Yeah, it sounds like there's not much at all to link her. Other than the only thing that's really connecting her is that knot was made in the cloth around her neck was the material, and the actual knot itself was very close to the knot. That was around Linda's neck. That was uh, two months earlier that they had found. You know, even though they couldn't identify her, they said that she was not native to the area. 
And she was likely born in Florida or maybe central Texas and lived in the Midwest or Rocky Mountains or the Southwest or fucking anywhere because of, you know, this analysis. And on the Killer Queens, they go into, I think they call it isotopic something analysis. Okay. And it's where the water that you drink from the area that you lived in the longest somehow get embedded in in you in your bones in, in your bones like in your hair like life kind of thing yeah like yeah and they say that it's easier to tell people who are born on the coast as opposed to those born inland like salt content whatever the water i, I think they said something like is more oxygenated hmm. or or something i don't know science y'all <laughs> it's a thing they can kind of prove it but they kind of didn't really prove it here because they were very specific. And then they're just like, really, she could be from anywhere. Mm-hmm. The next victim was found March 31st, 1985 in Cheatham County, Tennessee. And this was another skeletonized body of a redhead female found in Pleasant View. She was believed to have died three or four months previously. So... We're looking at this time period of late 1984, early 1985, death calls unknown because of the area and the red hair and because her remains were found on the side of Interstate 24, they put her with the group of redheaded victims here. They were thinking that her age also she was a little bit older that her age was 31 to 40 at the time of her death and she had unique teeth like her teeth were kind of crowded and she had a little bit of an overbite but they haven't found her id which if they have her bones still you think that they would do mm-hmm. dna one of the next to the last that i'm going to talk about an unidentified was found in April 1st in 1985. So this rush, I mean, this all these people, all these women were found within months mm-hmm. of each other. So it's like this huge thing that I never even heard of. I don't even remember it being on the news in the 80s. You think that this would make huge news, all of these bodies being found in Tennessee that all had red hair and kind of similar circumstances of being found. The next body was found in April 1st, 1985. The woman was actually found in a large white Admiral refrigerator Mm. that had a decal of the word Superwoman on the front. And she was found along Route 25, and her death was by suffocation. And she had been dead a couple of days. So she was killed towards the end of March. She was found nude. She had two very distinctive necklace pendants on. One was a heart. The other was like a gold-colored eagle. She had on two pairs of socks, one white, the other one white with green and yellow stripes. She had moles. I mean, a lot of this information that I found is from the Doe website. She had scars. She had C-section scar. Her eyes were light brown. Her hair was red and nearly a foot long, which fit into this pattern of the redheaded murders. After the autopsy, she was determined to be between 24 and 35 years old, and she was pretty short and petite. Because she was identified or unidentified, and it happened in this really small community here in Tennessee, people were obviously, you know, nothing like that had ever happened. They'd never found a woman in a refrigerator in their small community. The people took ownership over her, and they gave her a funeral. Aww. That was attended by 500 people. 
Mm-hmm. And it was televised, and some people bought her a casket and gave her a plot wow, to be buried really cool. in. The pallbearers were like the businessmen of the area and stuff, so they really felt for her. One report thought that maybe she had been soliciting a ride to North Carolina over the CB radio. The case pretty much stayed cold until January of 2013 when the police received some tips, but it's unknown these tips actually became solid leads. And then October 1st, 2018, seems like 2018 is the year that these cases really took off. The Knox County Sheriff's Office announced that the woman had been positively identified as S.B. Regina Black Pilgrim from Western North Carolina, and it was because they made a DNA match between her and her grown daughter. Oh. Her mother had disappeared when she was like six weeks old, so she never knew her mother. Mm. S.B. had already had four other children, so she had left children and a family behind before she ended up being murdered and given a proper burial. Where was that? I think that has to do, the year probably has to do with the familial yeah, DNA being allowed. Yeah. Like the Golden State Killer, because they had to fight to get that to be mm-hmm. approved, and they had to go oh, around you know, channels to do that. Yeah. And I think that was around the same year. That makes sense. That makes sense. Like 23andMe and mm, Ancestry.com yep. and all that makes sense. And the last one that was identified or was unidentified was found in April 14th, 1985 in Greensville, Green County, Tennessee. She was determined to be killed like maybe three to six weeks Previous And this was April 14th, 1985, end of 84, beginning of 85, same as SB, the Jane Doe from Cheatham County and Tina Farmer. Same area, same time frame. However, she was a little bit different. She wasn't strangled. She had blunt force trauma and possibly a stab wound. And yeah, and her body was in advanced state of composition. They were able to obtain her fingerprints and DNA and dental information. They determined that she was approximately six to eight weeks pregnant before she had died, but she also had a miscarriage right before death. She was estimated to be between 14 and 20 years old, possibly as old as 25, and again, kind of short and petite, had a slight overbite, had fillings. In her teeth, you know, so it it showed that she had dental care that she was, you know, like taking care of. She had pink fingernail polish. She had kind of a light brown, the blonde hair with red highlights. That's why they connected her or lumped her in with the redhead murders. Authorities hoped that they would be able to identify her through fingerprints, but they were unsuccessful because nobody was on fucking NamUs. Mm -hmm. And she was not identified until December of 2018. She was identified through DNA, and they announced that she was from New Hampshire, or a New Hampshire native named Elizabeth Lamont. It was actually the Lamont family who gave their DNA a a year earlier to Lise because they were thinking that she was a victim of the Bear Brook murderer. That was happening there at the same time in New Hampshire. So they were they were looking to connect her with the body found through this other killer, but it actually she was the one that was in Tennessee. 
She was 17 at the time of her death. She had disappeared April 6, 1984, and had been staying in a group home in Manchester, New Hampshire, but never returned back home to her family during her, when she gained furlough. So I don't, I don't know what was going on in her life, but she took off or she either hitchhiked or something happened there that unfortunately put her in the path of a horrible person. So Jerry Johns was a suspect and thought to be a suspect of the redheaded murders in 1985, although there was no way to connect him other than that his MO was a little bit similar at the time that he had that kidnapping. And I don't know, I didn't look up because this is very shallow dive into the redheaded murders here, of what happened between 1985 and 1987 when he was actually like went to jail. I think his court case and all the stuff happened. I don't know if he was in jail during that time waiting for court. I didn't look into that because listening to these other podcasts and reading these articles, it sounds like that he may have been responsible for a couple, but then there's like all these others and they all had red hair. So were there more after he was in jail or in 2016? It did match Jerry Johns to Tina Farmer. And like I said, and then he died in 2015 after he got the match. Um, He was 67 when he died. There was another suspect, um, a 32-year-old. So they're looking at the truckers because all of this happened like main thoroughfare sex workers who either hitchhiked or worked the truck stops. You know, it's kind of that niche market. So the suspect is a 32-year-old trucker in Pennsylvania who was questioned um, after he was caught kidnapping and raping a young woman in the state of Indiana, and she managed to escape. And this suspect was also dismissed, just like Jerry Johns was initially from the investigation after being questioned by Tennessee police. I think they had several suspects and they couldn't prove anything because the technology wasn't there. There was like no direct connection. And they said, like, once you cross state lines, that they knew that agencies don't talk to each other, that they're very territorial, they don't share information. And so it was, you're less likely to get convicted if, I mean, it's the perfect setup. You're traveling in your own home, basically, and crossing state lines, and you're, like, driving in the middle of the night uh, all the time. I was listening to a profiler about this case from the WBIR news channel. They're out of Knoxville, Tennessee. And this is Shelly Schaefer. And she's like, you know, this guy, he's dumping these women off like they're trash. You remember like mid 80s? This is our crack is whack era. So crack is a, um, it was like really big on the scene and a lot of sex work was traded for drugs at the time. So it was just a big hot mess, hot redheaded mess. Jerry Johns, when he got, he got arrested or when he was actually picked up, he was a military veteran. He had above average IQ. He had a family. He drove trucks for a living, like I said, and he was a braggart. Like everybody that talked about him when they arrested him said like when he sat down, the first thing that he said was, I've taken a lot of courses about forensics (laughs) and I'm very interested in serial killers. And so it was like big red flag. And he was talking, he always talked about how smart he was and was very cocky and not a lot of people like really cared for him. 
interesting thing, though, and this is kind of weird. Again, deeper dive maybe makes more sense on the other podcast. But in May 15th, 2018, when DNA became a thing, the high school, the Elizabethton High School sociology students took on the redhead murder cases. And this is before any of the um, Jane Doe's were positively ID'd through DNA. They met with, like, law enforcement and worked up, like, an eight-page profile for the killer of the um, redhead murders and set up, like, their whole class was, like, doing this. They studied all the cases. They studied all, like, the reports and stuff. And they came up with, like, this profile. And it became, like, very public. And they are actually the ones that dub this killer the Bible Belt Strangler. You know, and they believed that at that time he was still very much alive and living in the Knoxville area. The work that they did actually was highlighted on the Killer Queens and also on the Out of Shadows podcast by Shane Waters. Pretty gruesome, grisly stuff for teenagers to do, but... You but know, you know they want to. They, you know they want to. They, you know that they're all into it, and they're like, that's homework that they are going to do. Mm-hmm. But this was like in May, and then later on that year is when the DNA results started coming in. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm thinking maybe they got, you know, they started boosting awareness about mm-hmm. these cold cases and got the DNA looked at. That's cool. So we have two, four, I can't remember, four of the six identified, and there's many more. And they were talking, when, when you listen to Shane Waters, and he, on his podcast, he actually works with or knows the woman, Gemma, I can't remember her name, who was the amateur investigator that uh, the Keepers that oh, did all okay. the work for the Ooh, keepers. Yeah. So keepers. he talks to her about the redhead murder case um, back in his podcast. And it's interesting to listen to. I haven't finished listening to it because it's like an eight part podcast oh, wow. on the redhead murders. And it starts before any of the DNA evidence comes to light. So it's when pretty much all of them, but the ones that they identified through fingerprints were solved. So it's interesting listening to them. If, if you like, if you're interested in this, I would, Highly recommend checking out the um, Out of the Shadows podcast by Shane Waters, which is called something totally different now. <laughs> <laughs> what they renamed their podcast? They did. Yeah. They rebranded. Oh, they rebranded. She can't remember what the new. And name I can't is. remember what the <laughs> name is. Hold on. Oh, let me look. You look, and I'll do a correction. Okay. It oh. was not um, na- name us that the Walshes helped start. It was the oh. National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, Children only. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. But it was in the same years. It was like 84-ish, 85. Right. Yeah. Because <clears> that's when he that, went missing. Yeah. It was all that that was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I remember now it's the children. The, yeah. 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 Specifically children. And thank you for that time to look up. So <laughs> the new um, Shane Waters podcast is called Foul Play. Okay. A true crime podcast. And that is my story. Of the some redhead murder, and we'll talk more about theories and such in the after talk. Ooh, oh yeah, that but is rough. It is. I know rough. it's a lot of yeah. It's it's a lot. Good story. It's hot a, redheaded mess. Hot redheaded. I don't mess. like that title though. I know. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> it myself. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, dang! All burnished hair, Good the job, best. <laughs> 
damn, you did all that today? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so well organized. Can you not tell? <laughs> all right. Break. Break, Tom. Do you want more Strange South every week? We can help. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can join our Facebook fan group, Fans of a Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get an exclusive bonus episode for every show and a discount on merch. You can find links to all of these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode, Strange South t-shirts, mugs, and other goodies. See you there. Do not be fooled. (laughs) White chocolate is not real chocolate. White chocolate. It's gross. Shit. Just shit. Don't eat it. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, We're eating... um, jalapeno cheddar fundraiser popcorn we're eating 18 dollar fundraiser popcorn <laughs> living large real ones <laughs> we like started started right before recording <laughs> saying they're like this is absolutely fucking ridiculous i mean it's a big bag i'll give you that but it's oh, fucking popcorn bag. you know it costs like 10 cents right, right. but uh i'm fixing to pay another 18 dollars <laughs> now because this stuff is really good and i can't stop eating it this was donated by Freddie. Yes, Thanks, it was Freddy. donated Thanks, by our Freddy. friend Freddie, who got guilted into buying it for his granddaughter's uh, <laughs> fundraiser, I'm sure. Actually, you wouldn't need to guilt him. He would do it like in two seconds. But Right. He's a sweetheart. Oh, all right. So now for something completely different. Because <laughs> I've, uh, I've been doing Bobby Dunbar for like a month. And I'm very tired. <laughs> Tired of the Dunbar. Something just sounds so wrong about the way you phrase it. I've been doing Bobby Dunbar for a month. I've been doing Bobby Dunbar for a month and I'm tired. No. I know it's a child. I'm sorry. It's just, you said it. You're right. I did say it. I should have been ready. So I've been doing like all this, like, you know, reading this book every week, every day and trying to get all this, like all these facts together. pretty much what Patrice just had to do. And now I'm like, I'm going back to just like throwing shit together in a last minute pile. (laughs) So, uh, and I, you know, the hardest thing always, we probably told you all this before, but the hardest thing always is just figuring out what to look for especially as we do this longer and longer, it's like, it's harder to find what we want, you know? So, you know, looking for certain things, I don't know, you have to be a lot more creative. You do. And sometimes that's frustrating. And sometimes it just like stems straight out of wherever your brain happens to be. Mm -hmm. Those are the best though. Those are the ones that get me most excited. (laughs) Those tend to be fun. Well, all my brain would do this week was COVID shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's not going to be a sad one. Is this a COVID story? It's not a COVID story. Oh, good. The COVID, you know, (laughs) this is a strange South podcast. Y'all Southern, like, you know what we're we're seeing about ourselves in the news every day because we're a bunch of fucking idiots. Good. We, um, so it's been on my, I mean, get your vaccine. We're going to, this is our, this is our, you know, episode weekly reminder. Please Please get your vaccine. Please try and convince your grandma to get her vaccine. Yes. And your mom and dad and and your jackass brother. You may still get COVID. I mean, it's still a high possibility, Mm -hmm. but hopefully you will not be in the hospital with it. Yeah. And they just said, 
and I didn't know this. It's, they said something about the insurance companies that were not charging. They're, and, they but now originally. For originally, yeah. but now they're going to. So unless they you... They already started. Well, not, like, not for tests for treatment. For yeah. $50,000 yeah. hospital bill or, or higher. No. Well, I mean, because it's, to stay it's well. 98% preventable. Exactly. Right. So, Where are those wellness waivers? I got to go every year to I get know. my wellness check to, yeah. to get a $50 waiver. That's just a bunch of bullshit. Exactly. But right. my point is, it's going to come soon, right? For mm-hmm. COVID. Yes, it is. It's be and like, it's here. I instead mean, of penalizing gonna, people yeah. saying, we're going to charge you more for not having it, they'll say, to get your waiver, right. get mm-hmm. your vaccine for your $100 a month waiver or whatever. Yep. Right. And I'm not, I'm not even going to get into the schools. It's nope. been in my brain all week. Oh, yes. yeah. You know. Hell, Marlea has I been. I brought it up. Hellfire on I've, some it's people. Like, yes, I have been brimstone. I have been just. All caps. I, I have been. Caps, I've caps, been, caps, I caps. I swear, it's like I'm like 80. <laughs> I, I'm in like all caps and everybody. Okay, I'm not going to bring it up. We're not going to talk about it. But, you know, yes. so that's the way it's been this week. Yes. Schools changing policies and shit in the middle of our highest surge ever. You know, mm-hmm. that's the way it's been this week. Yeah. So what's been on my mind is like the national, you know, perception of the South, which is not inaccurate. No. Of people who will sacrifice anything for their pride and stubbornness right <laughs> and i mean in 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 the va- in the anti-vaxxer sense that's not really far off right right but um, i would like to caveat that please do we are stereotyped uh correctly mm-hmm. as being this way but it's not fucking just us. No, no it's across the country. It is, it is across the Midwest. It's the country. Missouri. There are folks everywhere. It's California. It's right. It is everywhere. From sea to down. shining sea. Yes. And much more often in the rural areas, which, you know, we are blessed with many more of. I'm happy right. that we have mm-hmm. a lot of rural areas, oh, but unfortunately, here. you know, yeah. it breeds ignorance. So, yep. um, you know, stubborn. Yes, stubborn ignorance. So I'm thinking donkeys. Oh shit! So, <laughs> so thinking jackass. So this is what she's to saying. my mind up, map, connects. so to lighten things up, I searched asses of the south this week. <laughs> yeah, and because um, it was all I could think of, and I ended up with three short stories. This one asses sweet, one south. sour, one scary. I'm Let's so glad go. you did this. I did it. I needed with, this for me. Yeah, this leggings like the preacher. I'm sorry. That's oh my another god! Story. Yes, we can talk about that in the after talk. <laughs> okay. Um. So, uh, let's see. Who are we representing? We're representing North Carolina, South Carolina, and wait, who's the third one? Kentucky. No. Oh, okay. Kind of northern and, um, southerners. It is. Yeah, I had a Florida one, but it got too sad, and I was just like, nah, mm. I'm not into it. Okay. So fair enough. <clears throat> asses. So, so this first one is just like, you know, feel good, eight o'clock news fodder. Um, so there was this, um, there's the, uh, the Carolina waterfowl rescue in North Carolina, um, you know, takes rescue animals in and not just dogs and cats, it's farm animals and, you know, it's the waterfowl rescue. They have, you know, all, all different kinds of animals. So, um, in November of 2018, they went to this farm where I think a woman had been keeping just all kinds of animals that I believe she passed away, but I, I, I don't know whether the animals were being cared for before that or not. So they basically took like 
apparently truckloads of farm animals to their rescue. And um, they've taken them all, but there's a donkey and an emu who emu, have, emu. <laughs> bonded. have bonded. Did you know this story? No, but I know that donkeys bond with other animals because my yes. friend Lacey has a whole farm now and this whole thing we yes. talked about. So, so yeah. the donkey and the <laughs> emu were bonded, yeah. like pair bonded. And it sounds like they've been kept together in a yard for mm-hmm. years. And um, there were there was a Guardian article about that. It was, I mean, all kinds of local news coverage. And I mean, the Guardian's like, we made international news with this yeah. story of the donkey and the emu falling in love. Yeah. But um, so they'd been kept together for years. The, when they moved to this rescue, they tried to separate them into two different pens. And the emu started like pacing like it had gone insane and the donkey started to cry (laughs) so they put them back together and they named them Jack and Diane (laughs) so cue every I mean what do you think every single local newscast does when they does it in their little little spot in the background you've got you've got John Mellencamp and the Mm -hmm. soundtrack and then you've got a still photo of the emu on Mm -hmm. one side and the donkey on the other with John Mellencamp singing in the background Mm -hmm. every single video (laughs) did the exact same thing how could they not though so uh jack the donkey he'd gotten to where like he would if i other was hoping donkeys, it was the opposite i hope i know diane was the donkey, jack is the donkey. <laughs> oh, diane is the, emu. <laughs> the donkey actually started attacking other donkeys that tried to make friends with the emu oh dang. Um, and diane would like um she started making mating sounds for him like it's oh. the, emus make like a drumming like a thump 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 sound and she started doing that for him. So they slept in the same pen. They would cuddle together. They would eat right next to each other. And the rescue is like, we're not here to keep, you know, all the animals that we adopt. But how are we going to rescue out? How are we going to adopt out a donkey and an emu to the same family? Let me give my friend Lacey's name and address. She's yeah. ready for more. Well, what they did, they put it on social media. This was like the November 2018. They put it on Facebook. And you know, you know how rescue things go on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So one month later, they've got they've got an update in the Guardian. Um, they they got like two thousand requests. Oh yeah, people for this sure. Yeah. And um, but in the middle of all of these people just like flooding them with Facebook messages, um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, <gasps> the, the actor from I The know Walking he, Dead. Yes. Um, Negan. Who, yeah, Negan from The Walking oh Dead. Oh, the barbed him. wire bat. He's so fun on social media and he's so hot. He oh. tweeted, You are so weird about him. I, I love him. <laughs> I She's love, in love Jeffrey with him. Dean Morgan. He, is, he apparently is a very good he's human very, being. Yes, he's very nice. But he seems. tweeted at the Carolina Waterfowl <laughs> Rescue and said, like, Hey, you know, I have a big farm. I mm-hmm. It's in New York. My, my wife and I keep it. I would love for these animals to be mine. So, you know, uh, he's got donkeys, cows, alpacas, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff at his New York um, Hudson Valley farm. And his wife is Hillary Burton, who was on One Tree Hill. I guess she's also an actress. Oh, I know. Yeah. So they had them brought up. And he tweeted the day that they brought him back. It was like less than a month later, December 4th, 2018. He sent a tweet that said, one last story about Jack and Diane. When they got here today in a three or four stall trailer, Diane had crawled underneath the door separating them and rode for God knows how many hours laying between Jack's legs on the floor. 
Mm. He said it made me smile big. Love is an amazing thing. Oh, it was very sweet. So he actually kept he actually kept these animals, and he pre- so if you don't follow him on like Instagram or Twitter, Courtney, <laughs> you probably want to you probably want to do that because I think he, he I did posted follow videos. him on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, he had fo- he, then th- but this was way back in yeah. 2018. But I don't had, think I started. Follow- I mean, maybe it's been that long. But but he posted videos <laughs> and stuff of um you know them at their new home and all this kind of stuff so that was just my that was my sappy sweet feel good donkey story from north carolina oh that was one of the first ones that came up so story number two about donkeys i'm so glad that involved jeffrey dean morgan i know that's so happy making it's like so okay this was a south carolina story there's a writer named tom poland who um writes a lot of stories about the south and from the south and he was traveling around in South Carolina um, in Edgefield County and stopped at a roadside like store with really old. It had like old gas pumps. I don't think the store was open at the time. It had like the antique gas pumps that right. sometimes people keep out. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's a photographer, too. And so he wanted to take pictures of the old RC Cola signs or whatever. Right. And the gas pumps. And um, I love I love going just on day photo trips mm-hmm. just driving around and finding places like that and taking mm-hmm. photos of that's oh, the yeah. best so he was doing this and he meets um he actually met the grandchild of one of those people who's involved in the story i'm about to tell you and the story happened at that store um in edgefield county south carolina and um most of what i'm gonna read comes from his blog which i'll link to in the show notes, but he also took from Murderpedia and, um, and EdgefieldDaily.com. So the story starts in September of 1940. So there was a man named Davis Timmerman here, and his mule gets loose and gets into the field of a neighbor named Wallace Logue. And the mule gets up with Logue's cows, his cattle, and he and it kicks a calf in the head and kills it. Oh, God. So, oh. Um, this, so Logue finds out that this is how the calf has died, you know, takes the donkey back, but demands that um, Davis Timmerman pay him $20 for the calf because his donkey is the one that killed it. So Timmerman's like, okay, well, that seems fair. And um, Timmerman's the one who owns this store that, um, that the writer had stopped at. So Logue later kind of thinks over it again and thinks, you know what? That calf's worth $40. Ooh. So he goes up to Timmerman's store. I'm, I did say Logue, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Goes up to Timmerman's store and says, now nah, I want 40 instead of 20. And um, Timmerman's like, no, we made a deal. I'll pay you what we said we'd pay, but I'm not paying you twice that. And Logue gets infuriated and grabs an ax handle out of the store, out oh, of the shit. shop and starts beating Timmerman with oh, this axe handle damn so of course you know timmerman has a gun mm-hmm. nearby pulls gun it out axe sh- handle. shoots twice and kills Logue. shit the store. so timmerman locks the body in the store oh despite the fact that he's like bloodied and damaged takes himself over to the sheriff to report the shooting because mm. he's like well yeah you know it's- it was self-defense but i shot this guy you should right. probably find out about it right he's held over for trial because of the whole situation but after trial the jury rules it self-defense and timmerman's acquitted of you know any charges so um logue the calf daddy who got shot his his widow sue and his brother george think that this is just a sham like they're pissed about it somebody's got to pay our our husband brother died so they hire their nephew joe frank to find somebody to kill timmerman Mm. oh shit 
And they say, I'm going to pay you $500, whoever, you know, whoever you can get to do it. So Joe Frank is an officer with the Spartanburg Police Department. And they're like, oh, you know people. Oh, my God. Tell them we will pay him $500 to kill this dude. <laughs> so they basically put out a hit. Right. He hires a guy named Clarence Bagwell to do the job. So by now, it's over a year since Wallace Logue, the calf daddy, was was shot. And um, Joe Frank and Bagwell go to Timmerman's store Joe Frank, the nephew, waits in the car. Bagwell goes in to ask for a pack of cigarettes. Timmerman turns around. Bagwell shoots him point blank range five times with a revolver. Oh, my God. Instantly kills him. Oh, my God. So we've had a body count of two now in this story because of this donkey. The two murders go back to Spartanburg, pretend like nothing happened, but... As is so often the case in these stories, Bagwell's a heavy drinker. He meets a girl at a bar. He starts talking about how he just got paid $500 to kill a dude. And she goes to the police. Right. And um, so when Bagwell is questioned about this, the cops tell him that he was seen at Timmerman's store that day. And Bagwell confesses and immediately narks on Joe Frank. Well, Joe Frank gets turned in and immediately narks on his aunt and uncle, Sue and George, who had put up the money for this whole thing. So the sheriff goes to the Logue's home to arrest Sue and George for basically calling out a hit on Timmerman. But someone has tipped George off and he has a sharecropper friend who lives at the property. Instead of running, he decides he and this friend of his are going to ambush the officers. Oh, fuck. So they shoot. Great idea. Right. So the sheriff and deputy go, Sheriff Wad Allen and Deputy Clark go to the farm. They shoot the sheriff in the head and kill him instantly. So we're at three now. And they shoot Deputy Clark in the stomach and arm. He manages to straggle himself out to the road and get a passing motorist to take him to get help. Um, the governor, when they hear what's going on at this <laughs> the at this place, the governor sends dozens of state patrolmen and deputies to surround this house to get these crazies out of here. And because they've they've shot and killed the sheriff, right? And um, so if they're wanting to avoid further bloodshed, though as they generally do. So then they call local circuit court judge Strom Thurman, oh, who shit. is a family, a family friend of the Logues. And he's, they ask him, can you go in, talk to them and try to reason with them? Turns out Sue Logue is also one of Strom Thurman's mistresses, mm. you know, Sue um, Logue, the wife of mm-hmm. the one who got yes, shot. Yes, the wife of the one who had gotten and the calf is, daddy's wife. What year is this? This was 1940. 40. Strom Thurmond. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, because man, He's, Strom Thurmond was old as fuck. I was just gonna say he was still old then, probably. No, also <laughs> I barely remember asshole. him. But yes, but um, so Thurmond walks across the yard into the house. The Logues decide after talking to him that they are gonna they're gonna turn in. They're gonna surrender. Two days later, Deputy Clark dies. The guy, the deputy who had been shot in the stomach and arm, who so went and called for help. So now five, we're at four. Four, okay. I Logue's, can't count. Logue's sharecropper, who had helped in the ambush, also dies of wounds. From So we're at five people now because of this donkey. Oh, my God. Four months later, George and Sue Logue and Bagwell are tried for Timmerman's murder. Just for that one murder. Yeah. And the jury takes all of two hours to convict them. They're sentenced to death, all the three. Shit. So on Straight January 15th, 1943, Sue Logue becomes the first and only woman to die in the electric chair in South Carolina. Wow. So we're at six. Also, by the way, Strom Thurmond's mistress, the first woman to be killed by the electric chair Holy in South Carolina. Shit. Um, George and Bagwell also die in the chair. So we're at eight. Eight people. Joe Frank is sentenced to death also, but his sentence is commuted and he ends up getting paroled and working with police people again. So one donkey kick 
eight bodies. Oh my god! And that's if you don't count the calf. Oh my gosh! So that was yeah. I was like, holy shit! (laughs) That is a story. That is a story. Um. So yeah, I loved that one. So I was. I'm gonna check out his that guy's blog that Mm. um (laughs) that posted this because I was like. Holy cow! Oh God, what a story! Um, Talk about one calf. southern pettiness. Mm-hmm. One calf. Yes, because originally the, the whole thing was like about twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. <laughs> so, um, or it could have been forty. Either way, yes, eight people. So there is a third story I found from Kentucky. This is my this is my spooky. So outside of Springfield, Kentucky, um, there's a tree. There are lots of stories that locals have about this tree. They call it the donkey tree. And um, the legend that I found in one of the blogs, Teresa's Haunted History of the Tri-State, which I'll link to, um, says that there was a farmer once who was cruel to his donkey, especially cruel, and would often beat the animal severely. And so one day the farmer beat the animal too severely and it died. So in the place where the donkey died, either where it died or where it was buried, this tree grew. And... um, the reason they call it the donkey tree is not just because the donkey was buried there, but because it actually kind of looks like a donkey's face. Oh, weird. And I can show you pictures of it, but, um, and there will be pictures of it on the show page. It's like, it's like it, it's a very hefty tree, you know, it's old now. And so it's like, it started to grow up and then it curves down again towards the ground and then raises again and branches out into two different trunks off of that little hump. Oh, weird. So it really is like, the, like a hump it's like and... it starts at the neck and then leans down into the muzzle oh, yeah. and then the two branches are the donkey's ears, ears coming up and it, it's it's not hard to see when right. you see the pictures um so <clears throat> one visitor at roadside america actually said it looks a little bit like jar jar binks which is not too far off honestly <laughs> but they had a facebook page for a while the donkey tree did i don't know who kept it up but um, they had uh, they had uh, quoted a local resident as saying there is an evil trapped inside this tree. We knew not to walk past the tree at night. Our grandmother would beg us to keep our distance, especially at night. After nightfall, the voices draw you towards it, and it calls to you. Oh no! So some people some people say now everybody pretty much says that it's cursed and that you shouldn't touch it. So some people say that anyone who touches the tree will have bad luck for the rest of your life, like accidents and all kinds of mess. Some people say that if you touch the tree, you will die in a horrible accident. Some people say that someone you know will die. Um, Or there was one person that even said, if you look into the donkey's eyes, you'll be possessed. And it's like, oh, no, but it's a tree. But I I, I totally can see where you would like see where the eyes would be. But it has like a honk. And so it seemed to me like that'd be like perfect climbing. It like, it looks like it could be a good climbing tree. Like I like climbing but trees. But I don't think anyone should climb this tree. Okay. <laughs> well, not after Where this. is it? Not according to is these. it Tennessee? It's in Kentucky. Kentucky. Outside of uh, Springfield, Kentucky, I think. So um, you can. A lot of people say that you can re- reverse the curse of the donkey tree if you touch it by feeding the donkey an apple. So if you put an apple in the place where the donkey's mouth would be, then you leave. You find that the apple has mysteriously disappeared by the time you get so back. So we can That's go the hang story. out there. Just bring an apple. We'll just bring some apples. I have some honey crisps. Honey so crisps are really this- good. It's oh, the sound yeah. of fall. Like top shelf apples right there. <laughs> bring the best to the haunted tree. So um, 
there have been a, just a couple things on that uh, the Donkey Tree Facebook page. I don't know if the donkey keeps his own Facebook page. Up, <laughs> but the Donkey Tree on Facebook posted at one point um, within the past, and this was, I think this came up in 2014. Within the past three days, we received five different reports from people saying they've heard a child laughing or a child crying while visiting the tree, all between the hours of 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. If you have a similar experience, please send us an email. Let us know. Record if you can. And it was getting on towards October, so who knows? Maybe this was just people trying to drive Mm -hmm. some Halloween fun. But um, there was somebody who had commented on that and said, I can't believe I'm just now seeing this post. Last October, which was around when they would have posted it. Um, my mom, sister-in-law, and myself were visiting the tree. Um, on our way back, we stopped again, and as I was getting out of the car, my mom and I heard a screaming cry. I was afraid that we had ran over an animal. It was such a horrific cry. Oh. As I turned past the bumper of my mom's car and laid my eyes on the tree, a scrawny pitch black cat crawled from the hole in the bottom of the tree <laughs> and ran to me. She jumped through the barbed wire and lunged into my arms, crying. Aww, and we knocked on did. the trees around the door, or, or we knocked on the <laughs> doors around the tree, like of the houses nearby. Oh, Nobody like claimed the doors, her, so they doors kept around her. this tree. <laughs> I know it's got like, doors. It's the fairy doors. <laughs> <laughs> this tree's got it all. <laughs> so they kept her. So Aww. and and they didn't later report that they had been cursed by the black cat from the haunted tree. But I don't know. Maybe they were. Black I, cats are lucky. Are they, they were not haunted. I mean, cursed. I think they should be blessed because they adopted this poor little sad kitten. So then in 2015, the uh, the Facebook page also posted, we've just been told that the abandoned car found parked in front of the tree Saturday night belonged to a man from Hancock County, Indiana. His friends say he drove down to do a documentary video for his YouTube channel. He has no known friends in the area and he still hasn't been heard from. Oh, <gasps> shit. So they don't ever, shit. then there was never any like posting about that ever again. Cat gets he adopted. Man goes man missing. Man disappears. Cat eats man, gets adopted. <laughs> No, actually, that was a year before. So, um, anyway, that's the story of the donkey tree. Um, wow! It was located. It is located on Valley Hill Road in Springfield, Kentucky. It's a one-lane road, mm-hmm. and there is no place where you can park. So, just be ready to pull over into the tall, tall grass or whatever. And apparently, it's pretty overgrown. So, if you're gonna try and look for it, look look at a lot of pictures first. Right. Um, but Roadside America has tips and directions if you are in Kentucky or you're passing through Kentucky anywhere around that area and you try and find it let us know because i would love to see your yeah. pictures of it here's also a psa for parking in tall grass <laughs> Ooh, <Okay>. don't do it <laughs> because you it. have a hot car and if the grass oh, is dry you, you will start fire. a fire right. i had never thought of that in all my living life yep wow that's how some fires are started don't start forest fires with your car just, just or at all or at all or with your cigarettes or with anything or you know kerosene or lightning right. or weird baby gender reveals no oh, Lord. cauldrons yeah. either no yeah. bonfires <laughs> or coven's <laughs> coven's <laughs> put your candles out coven's okay but yes, I spared you guys the fourth story because it was a sad, sad story about people who make donkeys jump into um, <gasps> into water from far, far high distances. Oh, no. And I was like, I hate this story yeah, because like wild hearts can't be broken exactly. in the wild, like the like, Buffalo Bills. Yes, show. yes. Which they used to do. That was real, right? Oh no, it was real. It is real. They actually sued. The, there were there were several states and cities that outlawed. 
the one place that used mules, the diving horses was a huge Atlantic city thing mm -hmm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they had more of those around the country at fairs and stuff like that. But the only people that like used diving mules and horses was a group out of Florida a family named the rivers family. And, uh, they traveled all over the country, but I found some YouTube videos of the mules just, it, they don't, I mean, they kept on saying like, <laughs> They would, in one breath, they would say, like, if I tried to stop this donkey from jumping in this pool, he would go by himself. He would just walk up and keep doing Where it, even if I tried to stop him to go. And um, then, like, they, in the same breath, they would say, like, I hate these animal rights people, these fucking animal rights people. Mm. It's like, but, you know, which I, I'm sure those people were kind of hell on them. I'm sure. But yeah. at the same time, I'm like, it doesn't really sound like you have much of a care for your animals. Yeah. Because the videos I saw did not show animals that desperately wanted to jump off a 20-foot platform into a pool of water mm. but anyway that was the story i spared you of because i was just pissed off when i read it and i didn't feel like being pissed off anymore so that's it donkey tree donkey trees asses asses, asses of the south and i do have <laughs> i do have a little after talk stuff about how um about how this, this whole anti-vaxxers are like asses that might be unfair to asses uh, so uh, if you if you want to stick around for the patreon after talk you can hear me rant about what donkeys are actually like that's all love it good job well thanks you guys thanks everyone for listening Thank you. we appreciate you so much mm -hmm. talk to you later bye, bye.